Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. This special podcast features the third of four webinars in the Bentonville First series entitled Business, led by Reverend Dr. Michelle Morris and Reverend Andrea Cummings, and featuring panelists Ed Clifford, President and CEO of Jones Trust, Dr. Joe Rollins, Director of Workforce Development of Northwest Arkansas Council, Kayleen Griffith, President and CEO of Visit Bentonville, and Russell Schaefer, Senior Director of Global Culture, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Walmart. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here in our uh, Bentonville First webinar series that uh, First United Methodist Church here in Bentonville is sponsoring. This week, I'm so excited. We are we are talking through business. Um, each one of these has uh, deals with a different aspect of our community, and today's topic is uh, business. Um, my name is Reverend Dr. Michelle Morris, and I'm the lead pastor here at First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. Um, and uh, we just hope that as you listen in on this conversation, it sparks some some possibilities, some responses to um, who we are and where we are now and where we are headed in Bentonville. Um, we have uh, four panelists that are joining us here today. I'm excited to introduce each one of them. Um, let's start with our first panelist that we're going to introduce is Ed Clifford. Um, Ed has worked for, worked for almost 20 years for Walmart in merchandising management positions. He then served from 2001 to 2012 as the president CEO of the Bentonville Chamber of Commerce. He's now the president CEO of the Jones Trust, which runs the Jones Center, the largest community center in the region, and three nonprofit centers housing over 100 nonprofits at much less than market lease rates. They have over 850 thousand square feet of face dedicated space dedicated to improving the quality of life in Northwest Arkansas. So Ed, um, like many of the panelists that we're going to see here, you could have been on our nonprofit panel, but here we are. We want you on this business panel. We're, we're so grateful for the wealth of knowledge and experience that you're bringing uh, to us today. Thank you. Yeah. And then our next panelist is Kayleen Griffith. Kayleen is the president and CEO of Visit Bench. Bentonville, uh, which brands, sells, and promotes Bentonville as a tourism destination. Um, consequently, a lot of people end up deciding to move here, so so your work is definitely an investment in our community. Um, Visit Bentonville also keeps a finger on the pulse of the hospitality and restaurant industry as a result of being tied into tourism. Kayleen is committed to service in our community, and she also mentors, mentors young women coming up in the business world. So thank you, Kayleen, so much for being with us today. Thank you. Um, next up to introduce is our next panelist is Dr. Joe Rollins, who is the Director of Workforce Development for the Northwest Arkansas Council. In his work at the council, he has the opportunity to serve as a liaison between students, educators, post-secondary institutions, and business leaders, working to develop and strengthen the region's education programs so that students get needed training for area jobs and employers have a skilled workforce. Joe works with educators and businesses to develop and strengthen Northwest Arkansas's career and technical education programs. He connects colleges, technical schools, and high school training programs with potential employers and facilitates meeting their workforce needs. Joe also builds and develops regional training models for and partnership needs with area chambers of commerce. Joe works in partnership with all 16 of the region's school districts and post-secondary institutes and focus on employer engagement, workforce pipeline development strategies, facilitating apprenticeships, internships, and connecting Northwest Arkansas residents with employment opportunities and invites employers to join the process. And Joe, like I, I mentioned, you could be here on this panel, which we're grateful you're here, but next week we do education and you would have fit just as well there. So love that all of these are, are um, overlapping with one another. So thank you, Joe, so much for being here today. Thank you. And then our final panelist is Russell Schaefer. Russell is the Senior Director of Global Culture, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Walmart, and along with his team has responsibility for enterprise strategy, brand identity, external relations, benchmarking, and associate engagement related to the company's global CDEI initiatives. He joined Walmart in 2006 and has held roles managing global internal communications and benefits communications. 
In previous roles as senior manager of constituent relations, Russell managed Walmart's corporate strategy and stakeholder outreach for the people with disabilities and aging constituencies. His perspectives on disability advocacy and inclusion are informed by his experiences with retinitis pigmentosa, a genetic degenerative eye disease that was diagnosed when Russell was 10 years old and led to his legal blindness by his late 20s. Russell, we are grateful to have you here with us today. Thank you. So we want to have as much time as possible to discuss today's topic. So I want to get right to our questions. But I will encourage those of you that are joining us um, to uh, to feel free to, to share some comments or some questions in our Facebook feed. Um, let us know what you need to, uh, what you're curious about. And if we have time at the end, we'll be happy to integrate some of those questions for this uh, wonderful panel. Um, so let's get to the questions, and I want to start a little bit with getting some historical background. So I'm going to ask Ed, since he has a long time stretch of being part of the Bentonville community and business community, to share with us, how did we get to this point in the Bentonville business field? What led us here? Interesting. So let's start in 1984 when I arrived in Bentonville to work for Walmart. We had about 400 people in the office and a and it was a pretty small town. We didn't have a red light in Bentonville. We had a blinker in front of the, the uh, Methodist Church, but that was it. No red lights. And so we began to grow at 15% a year. And so from 600 people in that office to when I retired uh, in 2001, probably 16 or 17,000, you know, all the facilities of Walmart. So that's part of it. But uh, there's a really unknown part that made a huge difference, and that is when Sam came into a Saturday morning meeting and said we would no longer deal with independent reps, we would only deal with officers of the corporations that we dealt with, it made a huge difference because it didn't take very long before Procter & Gamble and Newell and Unilever and Coleman and the rest established offices here so that they could have an officer residing in Bentonville. And today we have 1,450 offices, perhaps more of suppliers in Northwest Arkansas, probably 18 to 20,000 people at high paying jobs. And that made a huge difference in, in the business uh, environment in, and the social environment in Northwest Arkansas. And then of course, Alice in 2005 said, I think I'll open a museum. And bingo, the, the entire tourism trade changed. And, and now we have an amazing Bentonville community that uh, is the envy of lots of people. We'll, we'll let Tom come in. Here he goes. You're, you're muted, Michelle. Tom is here. Um, we're grateful to have him hopped on. I don't see his, his camera yet, um, but uh, Tom, can you speak? Maybe we can hear you. Okay. We'll bring, we'll bring him in, in in just a bit. Tom is here. He has, um, he has, <laughs> you're going to have to stop screen sharing though, Tom. You got to stop that. <laughs> Um, all right. Um, okay. Um, so thank you, Ed, for giving us a little bit of that historical background. Um, we're grateful for that. Um, I do want to now think and reflect on <laughs> Tom, um, you keep screen sharing. You're, you're blocking us up here. So, okay. Um, <laughs> so we're going to, um, we're going to have a, uh, a moment to reflect on how the pandemic has changed the trajectory of your work. So, uh, so I would like to hear from each of you where you are headed, um, and, and what this means for you. 
Um, and, uh, let's start a little bit. Let's, let's, let's just start with, since I introduced you last, Russell, let's start with you. So how has the pandemic changed the trajectory of your work? Um, where were you headed? Where are you headed now? Yeah. Uh, thanks for the question, Michelle. You know, I think from a broad Walmart perspective, obviously, uh, the pandemic uh, changed a lot of things. When you think about uh, Walmart as a retailer and, and serving our customers and our communities across the country, uh, but especially uh, right here in our, our home region of Northwest Arkansas, uh, you know, with the, the constraints that the pandemic put initially on the supply chain and, you know, just some of the concerns around health and safety protocols, you know, it, it changed uh, our hours, uh, you know, many of our stores went from 24 hours to closing overnight for deep cleaning. Uh, you know, we, we put up the plexiglass, you know, we put in, you know, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the different safety protocols, you know, six feet of social distancing, temperature over a hundred, you know, uh, stay home, um, you know, all of those different things, um, to help ensure that our customers were able to, get the the essential uh, goods and services that they needed uh, even in the midst of um, a critical uh, pandemic and, you know, to ensure that our associates and customers alike uh, were safe. And so uh, I, I can't state enough uh, our gratitude to the frontline Walmart associates who, you know, I, I think are in a lot of ways are, are uh, akin to first responders during that time, just in terms of keeping the economy going uh, you know, keeping uh, the shelf stocked and ensuring that our customers had access to the staples and the goods uh, that they needed uh, to, to be able to, uh, you know, continue with day-to-day uh, -day life even as we sheltered in place and uh, took the steps uh, necessary to, you know, try to flatten the curve of the pandemic. Uh, so it certainly changed the way in which we operated and, and did business uh, in a really clear and tangible way. But I think, you know, at it, it, a broader level, I, I think it accelerated a lot of the things that we uh, were looking to do strategically. Um, anybody who's a Walmart customer or, you know, shopped with us for a while, lived in Northwest Arkansas, uh, you know, saw, um, you know, whether it was the uh, standalone facility on J Street or uh, the grocery pickup at, you know, neighborhood markets like the one on Central or, uh, you know, in, in other parts of the community, that online grocery and grocery pickup was a part of the uh, strategy for Walmart. I think that the uh, pandemic accelerated that uh, in a lot of ways, out of necessity, uh, both in terms of what the customers needed, but also what we needed from a business perspective. Uh, it, it, it led us to put things into practice uh, faster uh, and to, you know, kind of test different things. Uh, on the spot and find out what worked and, and, and what needed to be optimized. Uh, but I think from a talent perspective, uh, we also had to move with speed as well. Uh, there certainly were a lot of um, people uh, right here in our community as well as across the country who found themselves furloughed or out of work um, at, their, um, at their traditional employer as a result of the pandemic. And, and fortunately, uh, Walmart was in a position during the pandemic where we weren't letting people go. In fact, we were looking to hire more people and to bring people in uh, faster to meet the needs of the, of the customer. And so we were able to provide those employment opportunities to those who maybe uh, found themselves out of work because of, of, of furlough or um, their business is closing. Uh, but we had to figure out how to do that. Uh, at a pace and scale commensurate with the, what the pandemic was causing. Uh, and we, you know, took what was historically about a two-week lead time to get somebody uh, ramped up from application to onboard in our store to about 48 hours. Uh, and, you know, ultimately that, you know, was an innovation that helped us meet the demand curve for talent in the highest peak of the pandemic. But that's something that ultimately made our effective and efficient afterwards is that, you know, there's no need to go back to a two-week lead time uh, to hire talent now. You know, the things that we learned out of necessity during the pandemic have, you know, resulted in efficiency now and going forward. And so, you know, I, I think those are just a few examples of, you know, the ways in which we had to pivot to, uh, you know, keep the, the, the business going from a customer service perspective, but how the pandemic, you know, 
we, Joe, and this is a uh, plan. That our job, and so I always, I always said. I What do we do to make uh, the experience positive for our consumers so that they have confidence? So those are some, um, but uh, different. We're still going to continue to sell our city. And we have to make sure they're that to have in the area. I think it held against for us still percent down in occupancy. Those are a community that when I were uh, 17 years ago, we were only that we were we did not have cycling in our percent down with our hotels our restaurant very well but that stay happening um it's we just during the week we're getting it on weekends which is benefiting us but uh that's a challenge for us um uh, from a standpoint and we know that's
terminology. We have to lose some of the old perception of what that word means. What that really means is you're learning at the hands of someone who's been there, done that, knows the ins and outs of the game, and is willing to pass that knowledge on to our next generation. The other side, you're going to hear a lot of adult upskilling. I know that something that I wanted to talk about, some of the larger challenges we're seeing in our current businesses is holding on to the talent that we do have. Because right now, there are several open jobs. It's reasonably understandable if talented professionals want to look at different opportunities. As we see employers who are willing to upskill, invest in, and elevate their current talent, that's going to be their key to holding on to great folks. So as your as your as your viewers are going to try and try and understand what is this guy talking about, I want to make sure that they can make the connection, latch on to this younger generation, make sure that they're learning from you in your professional roles, and doctors certainly in your church roles as well. But I think you're going to see a lot more of that mentoring model coming forward in the years ahead. That, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're sitting here. I've got my, my tech person here and we're like, ooh, ooh, we're having moments here. Um, in fact, one of the things that I've seen, uh, churches be challenged with and I think would be phenomenal in Bentonville is the idea of a vocation Bible school, um, where you, where you have, it's for adults and you have, um, people come together and, and have those kind of mentoring spaces. Um, so that's very exciting. And maybe we can, we should talk more about how to, how to make that sort of happen. Um, Tom, you're, yeah. Roger, can I make one more? Yeah, point? Sure. Uh -huh. You may have folks watching this right now who are looking for a job, their next job or a better job. I threw out a big number, 10,000 opportunities open when we woke up this morning. From the Northwest Arkansas Council perspective, we've built a website that can help anybody, whether they're in high school or whether they're an adult looking for their next career. To look at all of those postings real time, we update it every night at midnight, and they, they can ask questions about the kinds of jobs, the kind of degrees they might have, their interests, their preferences, and we sort all of those jobs. And that website address is careersnwa.com, free site, resources there if you need help to build that resume, or just to find, research, point, click, and apply for that career, you can do it all in one spot. So I had to make sure that we made sure our folks were aware of the opportunities around. That's that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Tom. I we still can't see you, but maybe we can hear you. Can you talk for a second? Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes. Uh, um, my biggest challenge is getting my face on this uh, computer, but I just can't get it done. Uh, I'm a Bentonville native, and I remember when Bentonville had four thousand people and you knew everybody in town and we were northwest arkansas was basically an agricultural based economy now what changed well it's obvious that the walmart influence we've become a much more uh, well we're the economic engine driving the state of arkansas our big issue, as far as I can see, is, is the growth that has occurred and that the growth that is predicted to continue to occur. I was on the planning commission for the city of Bentonville for 17 years, and we always felt that we were behind the curve in infrastructure. Uh, there's no way to catch up when we increase 50% in 10 years on our, our population growth. Uh, we're going to continue to see that, but what we're seeing in Bentonville is the infill for the uh, brand new houses being built near downtown, and old houses being torn down, and brand new houses being built. Uh, it's caused a market phenomenon borders on being a little bit crazy because prices paid and quote market value unquote uh, has really been affected by this infill of, of brand new houses in old neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. 
one of the things that bothers me is that land has become so expensive that instead of buying a house in Bentonville, all of our smaller towns around us, such as Centerton, Heifel, uh, Gravit, Pea Ridge, there's where the most growth is is headed. Now, I've been in the real estate appraisal business for 48 years, and if you've got the opinion that an appraiser is just like the uh, pawn shop people or the uh, antique roadshow that we can come up with instant answers, I don't have an instant answer. I have to do research before I can make any judgment call on property value. That's one of the, and it's always been a problem for the appraisal industry is as soon as you look at a property, the property owner says, well, you've done your homework, what's it worth? And that's just not the way it works. Uh, a, a residential appraisal will take anywhere from five to ten hours to do the research and, and do everything possible and necessary to come up with a quote defined market value. Um, I'm my my fear and it's almost a trepidation is of the growth that's coming. We've got great people in our city with the planning board and the uh, city planners, and, and they're doing everything they can to keep things on a, as even a keel as they can. But again, it's my trepidation that my kids and my grandkids are going to face more traffic, um, problems with, with infrastructure, water, sewer, roads, um, I'm, I'm not pessimistic, but I have uh, extreme, I, I, I want to be cautious, but we need, obviously, to move forward. And we've, we've got the greatest economic engine in the state of Arkansas and in the South with Walmart. And we need to partner up with, with them and all of the other industries that we have and think and, and move forward. So I apologize that I'm not able <laughs> to see, you're not able to see me, but that's not a, a big loss. <laughs> no, thanks. No, that it's interesting because that has come up in prior panels that we had. It came up particularly in the nonprofits, um, challenges around housing. Uh, particularly that we might be pricing people out of even being able to live here. And I will admit, as on my way in, I, wa I live about six blocks from the church, and I was walking in this morning, and I, I saw what, there had been a house there uh, just a couple weeks ago, and now there, it's leveled, and there's a new foundation laid. And that's how fast all of this is happening. Um, and certainly we've all seen some challenges around the, the cost of, of living here in Bentonville. That's, that's a challenge as well. But I think, so, so we do have significant challenges, right? Their growth is, uh, is a wonderful thing, but also comes with, with some challenges to it. But I would love to hear, um, from each of you what, what you're excited about for the possibilities for our future here in, in Bentonville. What, what is most exciting for you um, moving forward? And and um, let's let's start. Let's Ed. Why don't you sound off? And what's exciting for you about about this new world? Uh, you know, just a whole lot of things. But for the Jones Center, and I'll talk about Northwest Arkansas rather than specifically Bentonville. We are the center of diversity in Northwest Arkansas by far, and uh, the challenge that we have, and, and especially it happened during the pandemic. We had to close the Jones Center and all of a sudden, all of those people who come to the Jones Center on a regular basis couldn't for six weeks. And then we had to figure out how to get them back in there and get them engaged again. So we partnered with UAMS and with Community Clinic to be able to do things for the Marshallese community and the Hispanic community that we never did before at the Jones Center because the real opportunity is taking 
the diverse population that we have, integrating it into Northwest Arkansas and creating a, a model workforce that anybody would be proud of. And, and that's a, it's a challenge, but it's certainly not uh, impossible. Uh, we see more and more and more uh, in the nursing uh, structures of NWAC and the, the university of Hispanic and Marshallese young ladies and young men. You see more in other areas, and I see, I'm sure Joe sees them in a lot of different areas. That's the real opportunity to be able to take this this Northwest Arkansas community and and integrate it into something that is special, and and that's what the world's all about anymore. And so we have the opportunity here because we have the, the residents here that can can fulfill that mission. So that's a real interesting opportunity. Uh, Russell, why don't you speak a little bit uh, to the, the possibilities that you're excited about as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think Ed's absolutely right. You know, when you think about uh, from a diversity perspective in Northwest Arkansas, uh, I would venture to say that, you know, my wife and I, we moved to this community in 2005. So uh, nearly, uh, nearly 16 years ago. Um, and Northwest Arkansas looks a lot different, both from an infrastructure and amenities perspective uh, than it did when we arrived a decade and a half ago, um, but certainly just from a um, population demographics perspective as well. And I would venture to say that that's um, probably uh, even more true for, you know, Ed, who arrived here in 1984, and others who have been here longer. So, you know, the face of Northwest Arkansas has changed a lot. And so, you know, I think when we think about uh, inclusion from a Walmart perspective, uh, we often talk about wanting to ensure that there is uh, an inclusive experience for our associates where they live, work, and play. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Walmart really is only responsible for one-third of that equation, the work piece. Uh, you know, what happens inside of our four walls? Um, you know, we, we have some degree of impact over that in terms of ensuring that our associates feel welcome, comfortable, and safe in the workplace environment. But, um, you know, when you think about, you know, where our, where our associates live, where they play uh, here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, that's just as important, if not more so, in terms of, um, you know, this, this war for talent that we talk about so often in terms of not only uh, retaining our talent here in Northwest Arkansas, but also attracting new talent uh, to the community, both for our business, uh, but also for the, the suppliers that uh, Ed referenced before. Uh, Northwest Arkansas has become uh, a destination for talent, both nationally and, and internationally. And a big part of that is the uh, cultural developments that we've had here, you know, Crystal Bridges, the Amazium, uh, you know, the impact of the culinary scene that uh, Kayleen spoke to, you know, things like the 8th Street Market or uh, Brightwater or all the different restaurants that we've uh, established across the community. Not only does that help us attract and retain a, a younger uh, workforce and a younger population, um, as was mentioned by Joe earlier, uh, but it also helps us bring a, a greater diversity from an ethnicity perspective and, and an intersectional identity perspective uh, to, to bear. You know, younger, uh, younger individuals um, are, are looking to see, uh, is this community inclusive of all people, even if that is not necessarily my identity? Um, are my friends or my colleagues who look different than me, who uh, believe different than me, who uh, have a lifestyle different than my own, are they included here? That's that's become just as important to talent today uh, for the people around you as it is for you yourself. And so I think the more that our community continues to reflect that uh, in, in the cultural and culinary amenities uh, that we offer, but just in terms of the cohesive uh, and collaborative and curious nature of our community in terms of, of learning from one another, uh, celebrating our differences, uh, creating space for them, uh, but also, you know, creating those opportunities, those spaces where we can come together 
uh, and, and celebrate the things that we have in common as well as I, I, I think the thing that uh, really excites me about where we are as a community today, um, but where we're heading in the future. Great, thanks. Um, and uh, what Russell, I'll just tell you, your, your um, camera disappeared there for a second. It may have been like if you got a phone call, a lot of times it'll pop off. So you might check on that. While I asked Kayleen, since he was talking about where we play, um, that seems like a natural place for you to talk yeah. about what you're excited about. Going sure. Forward. I think, yeah. And it, it, it's it's interesting because he has, I, I had some notes here for myself and he like target almost hit every single one of my notes. So it's, it's great. Russell, we're on the same page. So I'm kind of excited about it. I think, uh, I, you know, what I'm excited about is that, you know, our town has, you know, Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas has transitioned from like that corporate kind of world to this leisure aspect of it. And I think one of the things that when the trails were initially developed, I think they were developed more so for the quality of life. It wasn't, uh, you know, kind of enhancing that quality of life that we have with our uh, residents. And so if we can continue to create those quality of life experiences for our residents that also create these tourism type amenities for us to sell and promote, we have this win-win for both our locals and our visitors. And I think for me is that we have this blank slate that we are opportunity to really grow as a community and figure out where are the gaps. Um, I think that's what I love most about Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas. We, we create these blank pages and we kind of throw things that spaghetti to the wall and see what sticks. And then we work towards it and we do it very well collaboratively. Um, you know, even like Ed and I work together on different things. It, it doesn't mean that it's we're segmented by cities. We're segmented. We as a region, uh, we are fortunate that we make things happen together. So for me, there are two things. One, I love working here because there's really it's kind of like the box has been erased. And we get to do what we get to do and we get to do it well because we create the right environment with the right people. And I think that we have this blank site. We, let's keep creating these quality of life experiences because I live here. So I want to experience them. But then it also I'm fortunate that I get to sell and promote them as a tourism destination. So um, from everything that uh, Russell said, from the cultural experience to the cycling and outdoor adventures, because, you know, during COVID, that was the number one thing for us. And then going into the aviation and the culinary experience and, you know, the upcoming music scene and the, you know, all of these things and the film production, you know, that's even growing in this area. So all these things that we get to talk about um, are great assets for our locals because it helps our workforce. It helps what's going on. But then it also gives us um, just an opportunity to uh, become, you know, this great destination for people to visit. So for me, I think it's the people I work with and the opportunities that are not seen yet that we're all, all everybody has this big vision. Let's keep going for that big vision for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. Um, uh, Joe, why don't you sound off on what are you excited about uh, for the future? The current culture that we have to be just in a word. As I look at, especially from a workforce standpoint, I see our K-12s, I see our school districts grasping fully the importance of what it means to teach our kids about opportunities in the region. And whenever I, talk, whenever I hear about Kayleen talking about that culture, those real-life experiences, those things that bring people to the region, those are also the things that keep folks in a region. And right now, the culture of starting early, making sure that our students in our K-12s have a much stronger foundation of the opportunities here. We're seeing more and more businesses engaging in our schools, which is critical. And my invitation has to be there. If you're a business owner, a business leader, or someone who simply wants to engage in working with our students of any age, please, please take this invitation to reach out to us to be part of it. That culture is what's going to fuel the ongoing relationships between our high schools, our post-secondaries, our universities, the arms of each of our employers that feeds right into what Kayleen was talking about, quality of life experiences. If we can grow it, we're also working hard to recruit and attract talent from abroad. We're in a good place. We have a, we have a lot to offer in Northwest Arkansas. We're, we're feeding it from the bottom to the top. A lot of opportunities in front of us. I'm excited about that in itself. Well, y'all have got me really excited too. <laughs> 
Thank you for that. So, Tom, um, you were kind of pessimistic with your last answer. Uh, so I want to give you a chance to answer this question and also then to answer the final question that I have for everyone on the panel. I would love everyone on the panel to say, uh, to share with us if there were no limitations and you could do anything, either in your business context or in our Bentonville community, what would you do and why? So, Tom, tell us, first of all, what you're excited about going forward, and then tell us what you would do if you could do anything. I am excited and extremely optimistic for my grandchildren because of the educational system that the Bentonville schools have offered for the uh school system itself has come a long way from when I graduated in 1968 from Ojai in Bentonville. The opportunities through um, Crystal Bridges, the, the momentary, the culture that has been brought to Bentonville uh, gives my grandchildren an education that I never had. I, I'm extremely thrilled that the Walton Foundation has stepped into that area and will continue to grow and look for more opportunities for the youth that we are raising and that have been raised here. Um, one thing I, I do want to emphasize is that we must overcome the COVID-19 pandemic. Until we do, we're going to stay as a divided country and we, you know, divided, we fall. So we, we need to come together and somehow work it out that uh, we are all in the same boat and we need to row as hard and as fast as we can to continue. And I, I think if, if I could change one thing, it would be to look at Northwest Arkansas as one big community. And as a big community, and that would be an inclusionary community that includes all races, creeds, colors, religion, you name it, and we need to come together. Uh, a very wise person in my mind said, all you need is love. So <laughs> that's where I'll end it. And, and again, I'm not pessimistic, but I'm cautiously looking at the future based upon the growth patterns that have been predicted and we're going to have to pull together or we'll pull apart. Tom, thank you for that. And thank you for now planning that song in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Kayleen, what would you do if you could do anything, either in business or in the Bentonville community? What would you do? Uh, you know, I always say that we don't have limitations. We have op opportunities to uh, make things happen. So, I mean, I think... For me, um, I just want to keep moving forward. We're, like we're like you know, as a group and as a as an as community. Um, the big thing for us is that we want to continue to create experiences, and how we do that is with new opportunities. And so I think, um, you know, this is a hard question for me because I don't really feel like I have limitations. I feel like when we come up with ideas. We put the right people at the table and we make those happen. Um, so, of course, you know, you know, I want more trails. I want more experiences. I'd love to see more climbing. I, I love the outdoor opportunities because I think that's the direction that our tourism industry is going. People are looking for those type of outdoor, uh, uh, you know, activities or opportunities. So we, I want to just create how do we continue to create experiences um, and I want a variety of them. I'm not limiting it to one or two. I want a variety of experiences. So I think if I could do anything um, for the community or for our for our residents and our visitors is how do we continue to create opportunities and not just one? We want so we address from the young kids to the older adults um, at all, all levels. And that's what I think our focus should be on. 
Um, okay, uh, Joe, what would you do? I think I'm going to finish the way that I started, making sure that our our current generations who are working, who are who are probably watching today, who have jobs, who have experiences to mentor, to teach, to engage. To me, the success starts whenever we bring that knowledge, that awareness piece into our children's lives early. And then we continue to stay connected with ongoing mentoring, engagement in the process, engagement in their lives. A lot of our kids need that mentor to look up to, to follow, to to see the right way to go. That applies in life, that applies in careers, that applies in the future of this region. I think have, making sure that we continue to engage, mentor, coach, and guide, that's going to be step one. And then bringing a greater awareness to the opportunities that we have to offer for our kids, for our workforce, for those who are looking for their next opportunity, it all goes hand in hand. So communication, engagement, awareness, I think that's going to be your key. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Russell. Yes, thanks, Michelle. You know, I think for me, uh, I think it's really a matter of us just continuing to press progress forward around access and equity for all. Um, you know, before we uh, came live, Michelle and I were having a conversation uh, and she was talking to me a little bit about this whole notion within the church of, of Band-Aid uh, change and transformative change. And it, it really struck a chord. You know, she talked about, uh, you know, systems uh, being a, the, the piece of transformative change. And we have a very similar model that we, uh, you know, have been talking about inside Walmart for the past few years. Um, it's this, it's, it's what we call groundwater uh, approach or philosophy, uh, you know, that, that looks at things from a fish lake and groundwater perspective. And, you know, I think um, it's, it's people, if we were to walk by a lake and we were to see a single fish up on the shore belly up, uh, we might ask ourselves, what's wrong with the fish? Why is the fish sick? Uh, and we would take steps to treat the fish. Um, if we walked by that same lake uh, the next day and we saw a um, hundred fish belly up on the shore, we might think to ourselves, gosh, there's something wrong with the lake. Uh, there's something wrong with the environment that these fish are in. We've got to uh, we've got to treat the lake. So, you know, we, we take all the fish out of the lake. Uh, uh, we treat it. We clean up, you know, whatever toxin or, you know, whatever uh, whatever issue uh, is, is causing the fish to be sick. And we would put them back in. And, you know, if the if the issue was truly a lake issue, then, you know, that would be the end of it. Uh, but so often the issue is actually a groundwater issue. And, you know, it's the water that comes up from underground and, and, and replenishes that lake. And we, we can treat the, uh, the, the current environment or the lake, uh, clean it up, uh, but it's only going to be a short-term fix. Uh, you know, if we don't address the systemic groundwater issues uh, that are creating uh, the inequities the to access, then, you know, we're, we're only going to have uh, a short-term solution. And, you know, as Michelle astutely said on, on, on our um, pre-call chat, um, we need to do fish solutions. We need to do lake solutions, um, but we also need to do groundwater solutions. And I think a lot of times our efforts are spent, you know, primarily on, on fish fixing um, because it's the path of least resistance and it's immediate impact. And you can see, um, you know, right then and there, the difference that you made in someone's life. And, you know, I think that that is truly profound. And I would, I would even offer, you know, from a, uh, from a faith perspective, it is, is very uh, core to the, the, the tenets of, of, the, of the Christian faith. Uh, you know, you know it's from, from a, you know, Michelle's uh, congregation perspective. Uh, the system changes pieces, the groundwater, it's, it's a long play, uh, and it's harder, and it doesn't necessarily show up immediately, uh, and, and, and it's much more uh, time-consuming and costly. But if we want to uh, build the sustainable community of Northwest Arkansas that we want, you know, for our future and for uh, future generations, then you know, shifting our focus uh, upstream and, you know, frankly, to the groundwater, uh, I, I think is the is the type of mindset that we need to be taking, you know, in this community that's got great prosperity. Uh, how do we ensure that the systems are set up in such a way that that all people have um, equitable access to that, uh, whatever the system may be, you know, healthcare, education, um, 
uh, work, um, you know, so many of the things that we've talked about here today. Thank you so much. Um, now, uh, Ed, share with us your perspective. What would you do if you could do anything? So I'm a, ta- I'm a downtown guy. Uh, my wife and I, in 1996, started the Bentonville Project with six other people, and we all know where that went. Well, I'm at the Jones Center right now, and we received a Walton Family Foundation Design Excellence Grant for the 54 acres that, in fact, surround the Jones Center. And uh, we're about finished with that design, and we'll go out and raise some money. And it's on the very edge of the downtown Springdale area. And I think we all realized that uh, five years ago or 10 years ago, there was a huge gap between Rogers and Fayetteville, and that was Springdale's downtown and quality of life. And so for me, the exciting part of that Design Excellence Grant is transforming the Jones campus into into the third or fourth uh, leading uh, attractor of people in Northwest Arkansas, and then having downtown Springdale follow along because it's got the best bones for a downtown that anybody has by far. And it's also is the one that can celebrate diversity more than any downtown and bingo. And then we put together something that really adds to the the quality of life for Northwest Arkansas. And maybe Rogers will follow a little bit. Maybe Fayetteville will follow a little bit. Maybe it'll all come together. Bingo. I was going to say, I think the downtown Bentonville folks would, would take you on about the bones of a downtown. <laughs> they do often. Right? Right? And I've talked about that. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah. So I love that, that this panel has not only put before us some wonderful challenges that we can be part of uh, the solutions for, but also that you've cast big visions for us. Um, that we can step into. I want to share with you uh, whenever I was uh, kicking off this series, when we were talking about nonprofits, I actually said, I, I challenged them and said, um, the church is actually the most agile institution we have in our, in our society. Um, business has regulations that hamper them to quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and then education has regulations that hamper them. Uh, there are just uh, government entities have regulations that, that, that keep them. The church, because the separation of church and state, um, actually doesn't have a lot of those regulations. <laughs> um, and so uh, I want to challenge our people to remember that we can, these, these folks dream big and make big dreams happen. Um, we can be part of those big dreams as well. And maybe we're a piece of the puzzle that if they are running into any places where regulations are, are, um, are a struggle, we can be a partner with them to provide the space to get around those. So I would challenge all of you and invite all of you that are on this panel that if you're running into those things and you need an entity to work with, um, that come talk to us, um, and let us dream together and dream big because, um, because from our perspective, from this faith perspective, we worship a God of abundance, not of scarcity. Um, and we worship God of miracles. And so, uh, and this, this panel has been, uh, wonderful to be part of because of the miracles that you make happen. Um, and thank you for that. We are at the, at the end of our time. I thank you all so much for giving your time and sharing uh, so much about your work. I hope again, that this has inspired those of us who are, who are watching to think of ways to get involved and to think of things that we can dream of. We'll continue this conversation this Sunday at our worship services at First United Methodist Church in Bentonville at both nine o'clock and 11 o'clock in person or on Facebook. Um, and then I want to also mention that since we are, we have talked about coming out of the pandemic, but we're not there yet. We do have something special coming up at our church on Wednesday, November 10th at 630. Um, this is a service of mourning and hope. 
Uh, it's a special service for us to recognize the things that we have lost. There are folks among us that have lost jobs. There are people that have lost um, time with family. There are people that have lost, my son lost his senior year. Um, there are all kinds of different ways that we have lost. And of course, some people have lost their lives. Uh, so we want to invite anyone in the community to come out for this special service. Um, again, it's Wednesday, November 10th, 630. Um, join us here and we'll take some time to to mourn that but also look for the hope that will come out of all of this and the future that we will have together and hopefully the the unity that tom has um has invited us to uh to reflect on as well um so uh so please come out and join us for that um i will also mention that one of our music directors ray wheeler has written a requiem for covid uh, that will debut that night as well and we especially would like to invite our medical workers and our first responders who have carried so much of this and then russell mentioned you know this the, the folks that were frontline workers um that were out there when everything else was shutting down and they kept things going um we want to of course recognize them as well um, and then next Tuesday will be our last webinar, and we're going to cover education. Um, and we will hear from Northwest Arkansas Community College from and from the Benton Public Schools. Uh, we'll have folks on the panel for that, so please join us for that. I want to thank our behind-the-scenes tech guru, uh, Brooke Crumpler, who's been helping uh, manage some of the tech in the, in the behind-the-scenes. And then, again, thank you all so much to our wonderful panelists for your time, um, for your expertise, for the visions that you've shared, and for helping us learn so much about business in Bentonville. Um, I ask everyone to be inspired by the, e the efforts that were described here as we learn about how to make Bentonville first so the rest of the world can follow. And we wish blessings and peace to everyone. Thanks. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.